The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy Dex with the Iron Pits Podcast, and I'm finally back for a solo episode. I'm sure you all turned into the episode last week with uh, me and my homeboy, the Coomers. As I said, uh, Dexter and Coom- the Coomers go to White Castle. Yes, they are Indian, and yes, that is the appropriate appropriate movie reference for that title for that show. But man, I want to say thank you to them again for coming on to the show and giving us some insight about the ketamine therapy which is pretty cool, you know, so, and also I want to thank you all for coming back to listen again to just me on here rant, uh, a solo rant, because it's been a while, I know I've been gone, got a lot going on as always, uh, so I also decided to take a little time to kind of slow down and just kind of get myself in alignment, because as you all know, I told you a couple months ago, I was really having a really bad PTSD, just detached, just emotionally numb, you know, and just I was just kind of floating through life and it finally a couple of weeks ago finally passed. And so before I got back into doing the podcast solo, I wanted to make sure that I was leveled out all the way completely and fully in tune with everything around me. But at more importantly, my family, and you know, because when I get into these episodes that pop up periodically, like the people that I love the most and that love me the most are the ones that I hurt the most when I get that way. Like I said, it's not that I want to be that way. It's just it's a part of me now from my time in service and all the trauma I suffered in my personal life, my life of service and the police department. You know, so it's, 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 it's life. It happens. <clears throat> but uh, as always, thank you all again for putting up with me. Thank you for coming back to another episode, man. I, I've missed y'all. That's, that's for sure. You know, I, I always miss doing a show, but I want to make sure I'm in the right mindset and frame of mind when I do this. And I don't want to just be on here spouting off at the mouth and, you know, just kind of rambling, making no sense, which some people might say that's kind of what it is sometimes. I actually had a guy that email, sent me a message on Instagram and that was telling me that uh, my last one of my last solo episodes I did about the veteran cop, the veteran and the uh, down in Dallas that apparently urinated on himself because of the cops. He said my information was inaccurate and incorrect, but I think he, he was playing with me. He's like, actually, he said I did it really well, but he did want to point out the fact that apparently these officers knew this guy was a veteran. So it was kind of a joke he was saying to me that he was kind of making fun of me, like, oh, you didn't really do all your research. And I did as much research as I could. But he was saying that I guess that these cops were pieces of crap. But I'm not sure if that was a if it was really said or if it was just a joke, because I sent him a message back and he didn't say nothing back. But I got to tell, I told him, I was like, hey, man, if the facts come out and you're saying that these officers knew this guy was a veteran and that, you know, they didn't try to help him. Are they pieces of crap? Absolutely. Absolutely. But like I said, depending on if they knew the guy was a vet. So if I, like I said, I don't want to label these cops or any cop as a piece of crap without knowing the full story. And I didn't feel like I knew the full story. But if this what this guy reaching out to me was saying was the full story that they knew. Yeah, I'm not very big fan of those officers. But at the same time, I understand that they have a job to do. When you have a job to do by this pizza joint, you got to kind of got to do the job. But you also have what we have in this profession called discretion. 
<clears throat> we have to use our discretion to say, hey, maybe we should go the extra mile here and really try to help this guy if he, what he's saying is true. So some cops have good discretion. Some cops don't have good discretion. And it's all a matter of how you use it. You know, so I want to thank thank that uh, individual for reaching out to me. And if you're listening, thank you for that. And, you know, I think I also also think it's kind of probing me trying to see how I re would react to a negative email. It was just kind of laughing at me, calling me names. But he was like, now nah, you do a good show. You, you got a great product. And I'm also buying your book. So, <clears throat> you know, I, did, I don't get out. Of, I don't get out of sorts when I get pushback on anything I say, because I understand that this is a platform that I have an opinion on and that people might not like everything I do and say. And if that was the case, if I cared too much about what people said and did, I wouldn't have this podcast. But I'm a 39 year old man and been through enough in life and I could care less if somebody likes me or disagrees with me. But like I said, if somebody prevents, pre presents me with facts to something I said that's wrong, I don't mind stepping up and saying I was wrong. So that's not a problem for me. But anyway, man, I hope you all have been wonderful this last little bit of time I've been off. The weather's starting to cool down. As you can tell, this is my favorite time of year. Decided to break out the flannel for this one, boy. Ooh, out here looking like a like a black West Coast cholo boy, feeling good and comfy down in the studio, man. So it's get it's that time of year. And man, I tell you, it's been the last couple of days have been a little wild for me. Been I've been off for a couple of days, but working extra, doing my little side gigs, man. And all the everything that could go wrong this past Saturday did go wrong for me and it was just horrible. And I'm glad that I was not stuck in my little PTSD hole at that time because it would have crumpled me. I mean, man, I'm going to, I'm going to put myself on blast here because I put my son on blast all the time, especially on my Facebook and social media, because it's what I do. It's fun. I like to show my son growing up to my friends and family, yo, but he got the chance to put me on blast real quick. It wasn't on social media, but I'm out myself. So I made a $2,000 mistake the other day. $2,000 mistake pissed myself, pissed me off and I'm embarrassed and I'm mad at myself. But we woke up Saturday morning. My son has a football game and this was the, the, the juju starting off that morning was just bad. <clears throat> so I go out to the car, my truck, my Yukon's parked in the garage. I open the hatch up and I'm putting my son's stuff into the back. We're getting ready to go to his football tournament for flag football. And I'm the assistant coach. And I'm kind of amped up and hyped. And I'm like, bro, I'm ready to go. We're, we're ready to go win this tournament today. And so I leave the hatch up and I go back into the house. And as I'm coming out of the house, I hit the garage door button to open up the garage. And as the garage door is going up here, I'm like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, no, I did not just do that. Left the hatch up and the garage catches on the hatch. And man... Messed the whole garage door up, took the garage door off track and bent the frame of my garage door. Yo. And I'm just like kind of like a Tiger King where he was like, I'm never going to financially recover from this. And I just saw my money. I just saw my money leaving my account as this door was my garage door was getting bent going up. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. And then here comes my son. Brooklyn, look, look what daddy did. I was like, oh, God, I'm never going to hit the end of it from this guy. Which is fair because I give him I, I give him enough guff as his dad. I do. I'm hard on him, yo. But and so, man, we're getting in the car and I'm just steaming mad at myself. And my wife is like the greatest wife ever. She's like, it's okay, baby. It happens. I'm like, no, this does not happen. This is absolutely preventable. All I had to do, I missed it by two inches. If I would have pulled forward two inches, I've done this a thousand times. This wouldn't have happened. Two inches, I missed this damn thing by. 
And my son's just sitting in the back like, man, I can't wait to get to practice. I'm going to tell dad, I'm going to tell everybody that daddy destroyed the garage door. And I wanted to be like my ego and pride was like, man, you, I'm your father, you sit back and you shut your mouth. But I have to humble myself like, bro, how many times have I corrected this dude for something he's done stupid and dumb? You know, and, they, and he has no recourse to get mad at me because I'm his father. You know, so I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to let him have it. He can have this moment. And I've had my moment. I'm not happy, but that was just the start of the bad juju. Yo. So we go to the game, and honestly, going into the game, we're the best team in the league. We've pretty much undefeated. We had one. Our first game was a tie, but after that, we won every single game pretty much. We dominated every team, went by at least two scores. And so next thing we're at the game, nobody like we're missing three players. And this is the t- tournament. You win, you get to keep playing. Yo. But one of the players is missing one of our top three fastest guys. Yo. Little Dom, and we're like, yo, where's Dom at? And I just kept looking over like, man, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. And sent his mom a text, got no response. I was like, oh, my God, Dom's not here. And we only have seven players. And we, so it's a seven, seven players on the field. And the worst part is we don't have any subs, yo. So the, our kids are going to be on the field the entire time, constantly. Yo. And there's no subbing. Usually we have two guys off on the side and we a couple guys out and we can sub them in and out the entire game. There was no subs for these kids, man. But we got into the game and it was a back and forth game. And I just knew I was like, we're not gonna win this. I knew it. And man, we lost by a touchdown. The bad juju continued, man. And we spent all this money on these damn snacks thinking we were gonna be there all day for this tournament. And we lost the first round. Man, uh, broke my heart, broke my son's heart. But they played a good game, you know. But and then after that, we come home, find out our neighbor's dog ran away. We couldn't find a dog. And I was just like, boy, this is really the day from hell. And it got worse. It got worse. But come to find out, my son was, I went to go to work that night, my little side job I was working. My wife was like, your son just messed his thumb up. I was like, are you serious? He's playing soccer in the backyard with his buddies. Somebody throws him the ball, he catches it, and it bends his thumb back and hyperextends it. Next thing you know, He's got to go to the freaking doctor. And I'm just like, man, God, this has been the day from hell. Started with all because of two inches because of that damn garage door. It's not the garage door's fault. It's my fault. I'm going to go to the Jocko route and take full responsibility. It was all my fault. It was my, <laughs> I messed up, man. So it's all on me. So that's what's been going on. So, but yet we're still, we're here to do the podcast, man. I'm, I'm honestly, this is. <laughs> I wasn't sure I was going to do it today because I was being lazy and I was tired. And I was like, man, I got to take a I got to take a quick nap. I took a nap before that. And now I'm here. And since I'm here, with, and because we were talking about the last subject, I was talking to you all about the officers down in Dallas and the veteran. I've been thinking about that over the past few weeks. One of the things that has come to my mind is this concept of honor and shame. Everybody knows what honor is. If you don't know what honor is, look at the dictionary. It's, it'll tell you. There's a couple of different definitions for honor. It says honor means honestly, fairness, or integrity in one's beliefs, actions, and that you could be a man of honor. Honor, another definition is a source of credit for distinction, to be an honor to one's family. Another definition is high respect as for worth, merit, or rank to be held in honor. And there's another one that says such respect manifested. And another one is high public esteem, fame, glory. 
and the other is the privilege of being associated with or receiving a favor from a respected person, group, organization. And I really, one thing I always really enjoyed in life is doing things that bring honor to it, that bring honor to me, bring honor to others, honor to my family, honor to the profession. And then America was a, a country that was all about honor, even though America's never always been perfect, but there's always been this thing with honor in America. And we love honor in this country. And man, we love to bestow honor upon people that deserve it, such as, you know, our law enforcement officers, veterans. I mean, you have soldiers who win the Medal of Honor by doing something spectacular where they put their lives at risk, knowing that they could die. And they end up saving like countless soldiers and while under gunfire, you know, and we should absolutely honor these people. You know, but at the same time, when we honor people, sometimes we put them up on this pedestal and we elevate them so high that they can't do wrong. Or and we try to shield them from the consequences of their behavior sometimes. And that goes for everybody, anybody that has any honor bestowed upon them. You know, it kind of it just kind of comes with the territory. But, you know, for me, honor is it's a very deep thing to me. But and I honestly think that the thing with honor is people see you doing something honorable as you do it this one time thing and they believe that you should be have the honor bestowed upon you for the rest of your life and in certain situations you can like for example winning a medal of honor you got guys like Dakota Meyer i mean there's so many more guys i mean hundreds of names of soldiers marine airmen and sailors that have won the medal of honor and they should they should have the honor honor bestowed upon them for the rest of their lives because of what they did beyond themselves before their fellow man in combat. But at the same time, I tell people honor is not something you get bestowed upon you one time as honor is something you have to do daily. You have to live honorable, make honorable decisions. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but honor comes at a price. Honor comes at, you know, honor comes with responsibilities, man. And if you want to be an honorable person, you can do something honorable one time. But then you can go and do something not so honorable and lose all the honor that you've had bestowed upon you. And that's how it should be. But the thing is, you know, honor, there's a limited supply of honor and it has to be rationed out carefully. But however, when it comes to the concept of shame in this country, there's an, there's no it seems like there's no limited. No, there's no supply of shame in this country. It's all honor and no shame. And if we look at the definition for shame. It says a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by consequences or wrong or foolish behavior. And like I said, in America today, we seem to reward people for shameful behavior and ignore bestowing true honor where it belongs. And for me, when I, when I think of the word shame, when I think of the word shame, I go back to the show. What's the show? Uh, Game of Thrones, man. And in the Game of Thrones, one of my favorite scenes in that movie or in that show was this right here. Everybody knows this one. Where she, Shame. I forgot what she did. Shame. Shame. Oh, come on, man. Shame. There we go. Where she's shamed for her actions. I know mean, she was sleeping with her brother and do all this, but all this stuff comes to light about all the things she's done. And she's through the city, stripped naked, 
and spat on by everybody because she's committed this horrible and atrocious act. And for me, I'm like, man, that is maybe what maybe that is what we need in this country a little bit more so, right now. You need StreamYard on it. Pardon okay. me. I told you I've been it's been a minute, man. I've been away. I've been away from the show for a little too long. And I got a little bit of lag in here too. So work with me. But you know, but for me, I feel like we need to bring those days back in America, kind of where we have people, we take them, we have to shame them at a certain point. But like we're in a society currently where there's nobody's ashamed of anything they're doing. Nobody's ashamed of anything. For me personally, the fear of being shamed for something I do have done is literally what keeps me on the straight and narrow for the most part. But also just, you know, my consciousness, man, I just can't do a lot of things that people do without feeling horrible about it. Because I don't I don't want to bring shame upon my last name and I don't want to dishonor my family, man. So, like I said, it, in society, there has to be a balance between honor and shame. But right now in America, I feel like there's no balance, man. We're bestowing, we're, it's like we're bestowing honor upon people doing shameful things. And when I think of honor, when I think of honor, I think of service. One of the greatest things that somebody can do is serve other people. And now, when I say serve other people, not just the military, there's many ways to serve. You know, there's Peace Corps. You can serve in the government, in the military, police, law enforcement. You can serve for a nonprofit where you don't make a lot of money. But you can also serve in the government, U.S. government. And there's nothing wrong with being going, deciding, hey, I want to be a senator. You know, I want to be a you no, know, I want to be in the House of Representatives. I want to be a congressman. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem comes when that becomes all you do and all you know, and you lose focus of why you decided to serve. And I feel like that is what we are currently dealing with now with the American government in our current day and age, and especially our quote unquote leaders, who, which they're not leaders, but our elected officials. And then I look, I was looking at, who was it? Uh, man, Dianne Feinstein the other day. And apparently, like I've learned that this old heifer, she's like 89 years old and <laughs> she can't even make her own decisions in her life. And there's a power of attorney that her, I guess her niece has, and her niece is taking care of all of her stuff for her. But lo and behold, they're willing this woman up into Congress to vote for you and I, but she can't vote, take care of her own personal dealings, but she has her niece to do it for with the power of attorney. And I looked at myself, I'm like, how does this make sense for anybody? And why is, why are the American people just sitting quiet with this? And then you have people in the Democrat side that are telling her, Hey, this is how you vote, Diane. Yeah, just click this button right here. I'm like, if she can't even do the job, she can't even think to do the job of her own. But yet we have bestowed honor upon this woman for being in, you know, in government. And for me, I'm thinking, if you're going to be in government, a part of being honorable is knowing when to walk away and step away. Hence why we have the problem in this country with these people getting into these elected offices. You know, and they stay in there for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 60 years. And then I just decided to go and pull up and I wanted to see who were some of the oldest people in Congress. Because, man, I'll tell y'all what, I am absolutely tired every time I look at the people representing us and I see these extremely old people, man. So I just decided to start looking at some who were the, some of the oldest in Congress. 
in part of the lag. Next, I gotta. Yeah, come on, stop lagging. So, oldest.org, 10 oldest members of the current United States Congress. So, the first one we got here, this old fella, Danny K. Davis, 81 years old, been in office since 1997. Then you just keep scrolling down. Jim Claiborne, this guy, born, he's 82 years old, been in office since 1993. Look at this guy. Man, black don't crack, man. Not bad, bro. Not bad for 82. But still old and got to go. Next, everyone's most hated villain, Nancy freaking Pelosi, 82 years old. She's been in office since 1987. Bro, I was born in 84. This chick, look at this, man. Look at that. She looks, she looks not bad for looking for 82, but you get rid of that makeup and that wig. Boy, I bet she look like the- Keep her up in there. And then who else we got? We got Stenny Hoyer, 83 years old. Yeah, looks good for 83 years old. Well, I guess it's easy to look that good when you're 83 when you're making millions off of these side deals and trades we got going on over here with these Congress people. It's easy to look not, it's easy to look when you're not like the poor like us, the regular citizens. And then Maxine Waters, this old hip. I can't stand Maxine Waters. Y'all have heard me talk about Maxine Waters on this show before. I can't stand Maxine Waters. 84 years old, man. Been serving since 1991. In her mind, America's still 1960. She's literally trapped in 1960, man. I can't stand this ever. She was the one of the main reasons we had all the issues in 2020 when she was telling everybody to get confrontational, get in their face and go meet them in the streets and all this, man. And Max. It's not a, she's not an honorable person. I'm telling you, not an honorable person. Absolutely not. Disgusting. If you're going to do that and put people, you know, on the front street and tell people your, your, your voting base to go harass these people at their homes, that's not honorable. But if it was done to you, you'd want something done about it. Yeah. Hal Rogers, 85 years old, been serving since before I was born, 1981. My God. <laughs> Bill Pascrell, 86 years old, serving since 1997. Look at this guy. He looks like Pastor Kane from, uh, uh, what's the movie with the zombies? <laughs> Can't remember right now, but man, we're going to keep going. And Grace Napolitano, 86 years old, man. Somebody's great, great, great grandmother. has been serving since 1999. Bro, this is ridiculous. And then... The one I was just talking about, this guy, it's a Chuck Grassley, 89 years old, serving since 1981, dude. This is ridiculous. I don't care if he is a Republican. You're too old to be serving, man. If you walked into Walmart to try to get a job, they'd be like, nah, bro, go home and eat some pudding. We ain't got nothing for you here, dude. And then here you go. One I was just talking about, Diane Feinstein. All right. I don't know what that was, but Diane Feinstein, 89 years old. She's been serving since 1992, bro. How crazy is it? 1992, 89 years old. And this is the woman that we have, quote unquote, voting on the, our behalf, telling us what we should and should not do, telling us what's best for us. An 89 year old woman in a wheelchair. 
you know, I'm really surprised that there's not been an uprising by the American populace saying, listen, thank y'all for stepping up to serve, but y'all got to go. Y'all are too damn old. This ain't cool, man. This ain't cool. Y'all are past your prime. And like I said, a part of honor, I think, is knowing when to step down. When you know that your time is coming gone and it, you've, it's time to pass the torch, that's honorable to do. But the problem is they don't, they don't, these people don't care about honor. They care about power and they care about maintaining their positions that they currently have. That's the only reason that they're still there because they know they're not effect, you know, efficient at that age. And are, are there some of them that could operate at 80, 90 years old and still pretty healthy? Absolutely. But the average person in America, absolutely not. That's a certain reason why we have age limits and requirements on things. We should absolutely have age limits and requirements for those who wish to serve a greater purpose for this nation. But for some odd reason, we're able to just look at that. Like, ah, nah, they all right. Bro. She all right, bro. But, you know, let, let your, let your uh, three times great granny continue to go onto the Senate floor and pass, you know, and present bills and vote, vote on things. I'm like, this is insane. But man, what really got me though, y'all, it was this issue that we were having with the Senator here in Kentucky, Mr. Mitch McConnell. Man, this dude. So personally, I never really disliked Mitch, but now as I've gotten older, I'm like, this dude has. This man has had not one, but two moments where he seized up. Right here, right here. If you're looking at the video, look at this. Just completely zonks out. So if somebody said it was a stroke or dementia, I don't know what it was because I'm not a medical professional. But whatever it is, this is not okay. I'm sorry, you all. We're gonna need a minute. Completely frozen. Great Papa Mitch, unable to effectively do his job. Okay. Uh, 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 I'm okay. Uh, uh, uh. Get the heck out of here, man. Get the heck out of here, bro. I'm so upset by that. Like, and to make it even worse, it's the second time this has happened. Second time. Goes and sees his doctor, quote unquote doctor. It's like, no, he's good to go. He's fine. He's just fine. There's nothing wrong with him. He's getting you no know, cock coming outside. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll be definitely talking about re-election. I'm like, bro, nobody wants to vote for you, man. Everybody is like ashamed that you are like the Senate guy in Kentucky. It's just like, Bro, how much more money and power do you need? How greedy do you have to be to look at yourself and know that you are not able to function efficiently and effectively for the vote for your voting base? Not that you cared about it anyway, but dude, in your mind, you'll be like you just you're still holding on to this thing for what? Power. And we all know that absolute power corrupts. He's the you know, the Senate, the majority leader in the Senate, bro. And this dude, he just won't resign he just won't let it go he can't let it go just like all these other old people's man and it pisses me off man imagine if me as a cop showed up and i mean we have some cops that are very old but if they're old and still able to do their job effectively i understand yo but the older you get man you have to know when it's like bro it's time for me to pass the torch to the younger crowd imagine me showing up at your house to do a report and i just officer are you okay Officer, uh, uh, 
Oh, oh, sorry. Had a flashback. Man, the first thing you would do or should do is uh, I need to talk to your supervisor. And you need to get reported and you need to be sent in for medical eval. If you got time to retire, you need to be forced into retirement because there's no reason for anybody to be in a job with bearing so much responsibility to have to carry the weight of the country on your shoulders or for me to carry the weight of the community on my shoulders and me for, for me to not be able to do my job properly. I'm putting other people at risk. So we have age requirements for everything else. We have health, physical requirements for everything else. But for these people, they're exempt. And we just have to deal with all their oldness every day. And then they're the ones with these antiquated ways of thinking and in their mind. And we we have to, these are literally the people making decisions for us every day. Every day. I don't understand why we are allowing this to happen as an American populace. I really don't, yo. But then, so the other day when I was off, I come across this story of everyone's favorite senator, Mr. Featherman, John Featherman, the jolly, the green giant, this ugly, ugly man of a senator. And I tell people, I can say people are ugly because I'm ugly myself. So I have a right to call somebody else ugly. He's ugly. But he's big, too, though, man. He's just a freaking he's a giant of a man. But the one the first thing I think we all notice about Senator John Featherman out of Pennsylvania was this. This man never wears a suit. It might be because there's no suits that fit him. But still, you're a senator now. And when you're a senator, you represent a populace. You are an American politician. The eyes of the world are watching you. And when you, the eyes of the world are watching you. Like I said, there's certain ways you have to carry yourself with honor. There's certain ways you have to carry yourself as a senator and as a representative of the American system. And the way you do that is by dressing appropriately. But this man, for some odd reason, look at the picture. Every time you see John Fetterman, he's in a Carhartt hoodie, some shorts, and some tennis shoes, which I love. I love hoodies. I'm wearing a flannel right now, but I'm in my basement doing a podcast. I'm wearing shorts under here. And I got on socks and I'm chilling. I'm coming to you, the American people, from my basement, but I am not a senator. Now, if you called 911 and I showed up to your front door while you're in this essential crisis, having the worst day of your life, and you see me rocking a hoodie with some T-shirt with some shorts and some tennis shoes with a gun belt, what's going to be your first thought? Who the hell are you? Are you even a real cop? I wouldn't believe it if I, somebody showed up to my door. Dial 911 and someone showed up looking like a bag, a straight booty. I wouldn't take you serious because there's a certain when you when you're in a position of authority and power, there are certain responsibilities and things you have to do. And you have to be have a presentable image. And I'll tell everybody, I'm the number one guy. I am not big on going out all the time and having to dress up and dress fancy. I am not the guy. I like some jeans. I like a t-shirt and some tennis shoes. But there's certain times I know I have to look presentable. And there's certain times where I'm going somewhere and being a part of an event where I have to dress up because there is a dress code for a reason. Trust me, when I'm dressed up, I'm like, bro, this is miserable. I hate the suit. I can't wait to get out. But guess what? I have to be presentable because it is a formal event. I couldn't imagine myself, if I was in Senate, getting up and thinking, I'm going to go represent the American people with this Carhartt hoodie and these Under Armour shorts and some busted up tennis shoes. And 
thinking that, oh yeah, I'm, I want respect from my colleagues and I want respect from the people that put me in this office. But, but to me, that shows you how little this man cares about the people who voted him in the office. Dude, you don't work that often. And you mean to tell me you can't put on a stinking suit for a couple hours a day to go do your job that honestly becoming not that important because we could operate a lot better and a lot with a lot less government and because the government is not operating the way in which it was intended to and designed to because it has become self-serving. If you don't believe that the government has become self-serving, this man right here is in a prime example of self-serving. He is after his own comfort. He does not care about your comfort. He cares about his own comfort because when they asked him about it, he said it wasn't important. This man does not value you enough, American voters, to say, you know what? I'm going to at least look presentable. I'm going to be an idiot. Yeah, I had a stroke, but guess what? I'm going to at least look decent when I go and do <laughs> when I go and go to work for you. But he won't even do it. And then it gets worse because they have decided that they're going to change the dress code. For one person. And this article says Senate ditches dress code as Featherman and others choose casual clothes. And like I said, there are times when you can be casual, but, but when you are representing the United States Constitution and you're representing American voters, that is not the time for us to be casual Tuesdays. Now, like I said, I can understand if there's something going on, they're going to be there all night. Okay. A pair of jeans, some polos, some nice tennis shoes, some nice dress shoes. But, but come on, bro, a hoodie and shorts, my dude. That is the laziest thing I've ever seen. And I can be lazy, but at least when I go out, hey, like I said, I'm not going out representing, <laughs> you know, the United States of America. I'm representing myself when I go out. I'm representing my wife and family, and I don't believe in looking like trash. Man, that's one thing my mother would never ever stand for. Us going out and looking like we poor, but no matter how much money we had or how little we had, we had to look presentable. And that just says something about you, because one, you never know who you're going to meet when you're out. And two, you know, first. Uh -oh. and, uh, and first impressions are lasting impressions. And for me, looking at this dude dressed in a Carhartt on the Congress, on the Senate floor. It's embarrassing to our country, man. That is absolutely embarrassing, and it is disgusting. And like I said, it just shows how little respect he has for his office. I, I, I just, I honestly, I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. But at, at the same time, I'm thinking, y'all voted for this guy. Y'all knew who this dude was. And I mean, what, what else more can I say? But like I said, he, it, this is a person that has literally no shame. He has not an ounce of shame in him. He doesn't care. Shame does not exist to this dude. Featherman thinks he could do whatever he wants just because he has this powerful position now in the Senate, you know, and just piss off everything else. That's that's your representative. That's who you voted for. Understand you might not like the guy on the other side, but at least I think the other dude he ran against the doctor dude would at least been in there up in there with a suit. Like, yeah, you might be an idiot, but don't dress up in a hoodie and cards. And just remove all doubt that there's something wrong with you, bro. <laughs> like, just, oh my God. Just, uh, like I said, I need to, because I can rant on this all day. But like I said, I take my appearance when I'm in, in on the clock serious. As a police officer, I don't like seeing other officers that look like trash. I don't. But 
And I'm not saying that you have to be per your perfect uniform every day, spotless, pressed, because it gets tedious, bro. It really does. Trying to keep up the uniform, you know, trying to make sure, you know, there's no spots and stains on it. I do my best to keep a, a clean looking, presentable uniform that fits properly. I try my best. Sometimes I get a little lazy. I get off. But I also understand that I have a physical job. I'm in and out of my car, fighting, running, chasing people sometimes. I'm going to get dirty. Things are going to happen. But I can still do my best to look presentable. John Featherman's not fighting anybody. He's sitting in a chair for the most part of the day, walking around a couple places. And you mean to tell me this man can't even put on a suit for a couple hours just to walk around the Capitol and do his damn job? Lord knows if I show up like that, it's a wrap for me, though. Oh, man. So, well, anyway, I need to move on because, Lord, no, I'm getting emotionally hijacked by John Featherman's ugly self. So we're going to move on <clears throat> since we're talking about our government and shame. And all, oh, excuse me, honor and shame. Like I said, man, we have this issue right now in America where we don't know how to balance honor and shame. We have, So the last couple of years with the explosion of the LGBT all that the, the gay trans people stuff but there's been this explosion in pride where people are being honored for what they like for what piece of human anatomy they like to suck on when it's in their mouth which is very bizarre to me very bizarre to me i just hey i'm gay okay well good for you bro hey Jack, i like to suck penis on the weekends wow buddy <laughs> that's great man enjoy that like i said we're kind of past the point where there's you should not be shamed for what you do in your private time or who you want to sleep with. Like I say, I'm a Christian man, but like I said, I, I, I don't agree with the lifestyle, but I understand that not everybody's like me. Everybody's different. And so I'm not going to push my views and belief on you all. But at the same time, I don't think you should be honored for being gay. You shouldn't be honored for being a drag queen. You shouldn't be honored for being black. You should be honored because of the character that you exhibit to the public for what you do, not what you present physically or what you look like. There's no honor in having skin color. You didn't earn your skin color. There's no honor in being gay. You didn't earn being gay. If you just are. You're just born. I don't know. Born that way. I don't know. Who knows? But you just are. And that, you know, being a dude that likes to suck on other dudes is not an honorable thing. It's just something a dude, a gay dude does. Being a chick that likes to lick on other chicks is just something that lesbian chicks do and like. That's it, that's it to it. Me loving women and wanting to have babies with my wife is just something I do as a straight man. I shouldn't be honored for it given a whole day and celebrated for it. But like I said, we, we're this concept of honor and shame in our society is so out of balance. But we make a spectacle of things that should be shameful, excuse me, not shameful, but things that should be left private that are now out in the open. And then we come here to good old Burbrink, California, and you have this guy, this Democratic fundraiser, this mayor, decides, you know what, I'm going to have a drag queen at my show. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with drag queens, not, not my thing, not my taste, not my type of entertainment. But if you want to be a drag queen, Bro, drag on, my friends. Drag on, have at it. Just know I won't be at the show. Not my thing. But this guy decides he's got an event and the ages is 15 and up and he decides that I'm going to get spanked. Of course, they would put that music for it. 
Oh my god, like that's just Of course it'd be posted by Live the TikTok. I love Live the TikTok. Freezing up on me. Sorry about that, y'all. Come back to me. Come on. Come on, Spectrum. Come on, Spectrum. Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. All right, man. This internet connect. Hey, this internet connection is horrible today, y'all. My so my apologies. But y'all just saw that. You got to think to yourself. So, okay. Can you be gay and run for mayor? Absolutely. Can you be a drag queen and run for mayor? Absolutely. Probably not going to get my vote because we got different values and viewpoints, bro. But hey, but it's America. If you want to run, run for it. But, but for me, but it, the issue is you think that this is appropriate to do in front of young children, 15-year-olds. You think this is appropriate in the example you're setting. And like I said, th- this is not a act of honor. This is an act of shame. Now, if he, this would have been if the mayor would have gone to a strip club and it would have been 18 and over. Or, or drag show 18 and over and he wants to do a fundraiser there I would have been absolutely okay with him doing that because that is the environment for that that is what he if that's his prerogative that's what he wants to do that's what he wants to do I mean, but my problem comes with this man has an event that's not at a strip club brings in a drag queen and decides to get spanked in front of people that are under the age of 18 that are not consenting adults I know what you're thinking. Well, 15 is pretty old. Yeah, still. The mind of a person that thinks that that this is okay to do in front of a 15-year-old, there's something wrong with these people. There's something wrong with that man. There's something wrong with that drag queen. Any drag queen or political figure that thinks it's okay to do these sexual kinks and acts in front of children is horrible. All these people, honestly, and like I said, in the words of Andy Frisella, they need to be put in a wood chipper. They really do. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is the only way to solve pedophilia and the the sexualizing of our children at such an early age and exposing them to this. Like, what is really going on, America? Why is this happening? Why do people feel so comfortable in this country all of a sudden sexualizing children and thinking that it's okay to talk to your children about their genitalia and their sexual preferences as a teacher or as a government official? Why is that trying to be made okay? Why are we trying to make pedophiles an okay thing? Maps such as minor attractive purchases. Why are we trying to you know, soften the stigma against these people? It should not be softened. It should definitely be hardened. And they need to be dealt with. Like I said, Wood Tripper 2024 for the pedos and people that want to touch on and hurt children. I have no love for you, no sympathy for you whatsoever. Yes, you might be a child of God. I will give you that. But until you repent from your sins and turn around and turn over a new leaf and start doing right and protecting children and not victimizing them, I ain't got nothing for you, player. Ain't no love over here. Because if I catch you looking at my child or even blinking at my child, you're done for. I'm not playing that game. I will die for mine, me and my family. I, I will lose my job for me and my family, especially to protect my daughter and my son from sickos like you all. Makes my blood boil. God, it pisses me off, man. And I don't understand how this continues to happen. And people are just, this is absolutely normal. People in the crowd laughing and cheering and clapping. 
as this is happening in front of children? And then you wonder why our country is in the current state that it is? Come on, what do you think? Why? Why? It's perverted and demented. This is absolutely shameful behavior being celebrated by adults. Supposed to be setting the example. And then it gets worse. It gets even worse. Then we have a school here in, let me pull it up real quick. Like I said, pardon the, the lag with the, uh, my God, the lag is really bad today. With the spectrum, I need y'all to get it together. Need you to get it together, spectrum. In Oklahoma, I thought this was a joke, but it said, controversy over principal drag shows, drag shows pull Oklahoma district into national spotlight. So this school decided that to hire a principal who is a drag queen. Now, can a principal be a drag queen in their free time off? Can they? Yeah, they can. Person, I'm not a fan of it. I would not want that person to be my principal because you have to look at what you are representing and what you are protecting. To me, being a drag queen is like you're a sexual deviant. And personally, I don't want sexual deviants around my children. And that's why people in these positions that hire these people, we have to look at them and ask them, what made you think it was okay to hire this person to be at a school full of children, knowing that this person is a sexual deviant? What made you think it was okay? But this is the part that is most controversial about this thing. Now we all, in a, we are in America and I'm honestly believing innocent to proven guilty. This principle here was also, charged with child pornography back in 2001 of course he was found not guilty and the charges were dismissed well excuse me i don't think excuse me i don't think the charges i don't think he was found not guilty i think the charges were dismissed and it was expunged from his record but where there's smoke there is fire and there should be an automatic ban on this person being anywhere around children or being allowed to be a principal anywhere in a school yeah, he wasn't found guilty or acute, you know, of a crime, but we still have to take that into consideration and say, well, uh, maybe this isn't a good idea to put this man at a salad bar full of children where he could just have them for his right for his picking, man. And you got to think to yourself, dude, like what is going into the minds of the people making these decisions and why they're making these decisions? I mean, this is terrifying because. We don't, as a parent, we only control so much of what goes on at the school boards and what goes on at school. I mean, we, we can vote for school board members, but we don't know who, what we're really voting for. And I hear people saying all the time, you need to get your kids out of public schools. I'm not one that's going to say get your kids out of public schools because I know that it's hard for a lot of people to pay for private school. I don't want to pay for private school. I've been there, done that. I don't like having to pay for private school. And then, you know, I understand that it's hard for people to have one spouse at home taking care of the kids and doing all the teaching. It's a hard, it's a hard thing. We tried it, did not work for us, did not like it. But since my kids are in a public school, we moved out of a heavily democratic liberal city where crap like this has the potential to take place to where we are now in a much more conservative, very traditional area where we live. But that does not mean that as a parent, because I live in a different area that I get to let my guard down. No, 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 no. We have to still be informed and question everything that's going on. I talk to my kids as much as possible about what's going on in school and what they're learning, what they're being taught. 
I, so I got to tell the story. I don't know if I told it before, but well, where we where we are, it's called the uh, we have pirate pride. So we're the pirates, and everything is pirate pride. Be pro, no proud and be prideful. But so when we first moved here, my daughter said, "Hey, daddy, we're at school today. We had a pride a pride rally." I was like, "Pride rally, pride rally." Granted, these kids, my daughter did not know what pride was at that time. What it meant. All she knew is, hey, we're having a pride rally and it was fun. But, oh, man, I and my mind, I blew up. I was about ready to load up my rifles and go down to the school and put up a show of force and let them know this is America. This will not stand. I will not have you shoving this rainbow pride down my daughter's throat. Turned out I was wrong. It was a pirate pride parade where, like I said, the, the, our town, the pirates, we're proud to be pirates, but I completely interpreted that wrong. So I had to humble myself and realize, got a little bit ahead of myself, but that just shows that I was paying attention and I care about what my kids are learning and being taught. And I am in tune with what my kids are listening. I look at my kids' homework. My wife does it more than me. I'm not home as much, but I look at their stuff and I read over it, making sure that there ain't nothing crazy in there. And I talk to my kids more than anything. I talk to my kids and I'm engaged with them. Like, hey, what's going on at school? What you learn at school today? What are y'all talking about? Who did what? You know, my, my daughter thinks she has a friend that's pretty flamboyant. And, and, she, and I, she told me, she, I was like, hey, it's okay. That's who he is. That's, you know, that's what he does. That's fine. But don't treat him any different. He's your friend. Be nice to him. Be gentle. Be kind to him. Be his friend. He's going to need you. He's going to need a good friend. I'm not sitting there telling my daughter he's, he's gay. Get away. No, I'm not doing it because he's a human being. He's a person. He's a kid. And that kid's probably going to suffer a lot of trauma because of who he is and what he does. But I'm, I'm not teaching my daughter to treat these people bad. But I'm teaching my daughter and my son to think for themselves and to not get caught up in this wave of bullcrap that's being pushed down. But that's why I, as a parent now, you have to be fully engaged, dude. You have to be fully engaged in everything that is going on in your kids' lives. School, church, everywhere as much as possible. And I know it's hard. I'm a I'm a dad that works 60, 70, 80 hours a week some weeks. But when I'm at when I'm at when I'm there, I'm present, I'm fully there. I talk to my wife, like, hey, what's going on? Why did this happen? I'm asking questions. I'm involved as much as possible. And my kids know they can talk to me. My kids know that they can come ask dad the hard questions. And I don't necessarily necessarily always snap off and fly off the hinge. Sometimes I might depend on what it is, but like I say, I get level and I bring it back in. I'm hey, my bad. Dad got a little excited, and then we, I, then we make it. I make it right. I don't want my kids afraid to talk to me. I want my kids to be able to ask me these things. My kids are going to be, they, my kids are going to be around these people in the, in the in the school more than they're going to be around me. Just like I'm around my friends at work more every day than I'm around my own family. But just because I'm around them more does not mean that my priorities with the people I work with. No, my priority is still with my family and ensuring that I'm growing up young, great, strong Americans that are going to contribute to the furtherance of America and not the demoral decline of this country. Because I teach my kids what honor is and I show them what shame is. They know what it is and they know better than to do anything to bring shame upon, upon the Pitts family name. And we're not doing that. And since we're still talking about today on the subject of honor and shame, we're going to get back and we're still talking about the government and how our government, the concept of, of honor has completely been gone from the United States government. The government operates in so much shame, but the thing is the government does not know that it does so. 
because the government does not have a moral compass. And for me, as a citizen of this country that serves the Constitution, as a citizen that almost died for this country, I take it offensive to the fact that our government, the American government, which exists to protect and take care of the American people, is not doing so. Hence why we have what's going on now. Everybody's up in arms about the government shutdown. Oh, my God, the government's going to shut down. Oh, this is like the second or oh, my God, I can't even remember how many government shutdowns I've been a part of at this point in time. You know, it's been I mean, the last time there was one was when I was in the United States Border Patrol Academy. It was 2018. I think it was October 2018. You know, and and uh, no, no, excuse me, November, December of 2018. But, but here we are. The government's getting ready to shut down because these idiots up in Congress can't do anything bipartisan and don't know how to to balance a checkbook. Imagine if you ran your bank account like the American government ran its bank account. You'd be broke every day and in the hole, which is what we are. And for some odd reason, we don't know how to balance a checkbook. But as I was sitting here redoing some research on it, Congress struggles to pass a stoppage funding bill. And on Monday, with just five days to go, many federal workers and agencies are bracing for impacts. So from what I was seeing, they were saying that almost 4 million people of government employees will be out of work. 4 million people. And what else they got going on with this thing? It was a... there's another interesting fact. Hold on. Let's get this avocado off my screen. See, man, this is why this is the problem with video. <laughs> this is the problem with video, y'all. My bad. But uh they were saying that so four million people are gonna be out of jobs for this. That means non-essential government employees are never are not gonna be getting their paychecks. So they're gonna be they're not gonna be working, they're gonna be sent home. Then we're gonna have certain programs, funding is gonna be cut off. And so People are going to be hurting people, everyday working people that work for the government. They're going to be hurting. But to me, the crazy part of this whole thing is there's one thing I'm taking away from this that I saw today that really pissed me off. We have proof and we know that American citizens are going to be in a state of shock when the government shuts down and they are no longer getting funding. And these programs, people that need certain programs are no longer going to be getting these benefits and resources. But for some odd reason, our government has the money to continue to supply Ukraine with money for their war against Russia. Yep. And not just that. Not just that. Let me pull up this article. American taxpayer funding of Ukraine to continue if government shuts down. So we're going to shut down our government, send Americans home. Tell them, hey, sorry, but you're not getting a paycheck. We're going to take care of another country's citizens before we take care of our own. In what world is it? What world are we living in? Is this a alternate reality? This is insane, man. So we're taking care of the Ukrainian government and their people, but we're not taking care of our own citizens. Wake up, America. These people don't care about you, man. They do not care about you. The Pentagon announced that Ukraine funding will not be affected by a government shutdown if lawmakers cannot reach an agreement on September 30th. This comes just after 60 Minutes exposed that funding to Ukraine is not just going to support the foreign na nation in war times. It is also funding farming resources 
as well as paying the salaries of 57,000 Ukrainian first responders. That is the biggest slap to the face for anybody in this country that pays taxes, especially us first responders who are underfunded, understaffed, and underpaid. But we got money to send to Ukraine to take care of their citizens who don't pay a dime to this country. But you take so much of my damn check on the 1st and 15th, and then you ship my money off to take care of somebody else overseas that ain't done a damn thing for this country when I have sacrificed for this country and I sacrifice for my community every day, just like many of my brothers and sisters in arms have done time and time again, especially over the last 20 years with the war on terror. Did y'all send us to fight this war? But now our war is over and we're sending our tax dollars to the people of Ukraine. Like I have nothing against the people of Ukraine. I have, I wish them the best, but I'm not wishing you the best with my wallet. It's not my war. We've had our wars, which were questionable. But now we're funding another country while we're turning our back on our own citizens. If that's is that honorable or was that shameful? That's absolute. That's a absolutely shameful. And every American citizen right now should be up in arms. We should all be lined up at the steps of the Capitol. Not like January 6th, but it's getting close to a time for a revolution, y'all. But this is a, this is crazy, man. Sending our tax dollars overseas while our roads are deteriorating, our justice system is inoperable pretty much. Crime is overriding our streets every day. I mean, we can, our own kids can't even play in our own neighborhoods because there's so much crime and shooting and syringes from drug use. Our cities are crumbling, but we're propping up the citizens of Ukraine. I mean, how is that possible? And then to make it worse, it ain't just Ukraine. We have a crisis at the southern border right now where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are entering our country illegally from all over the globe. Dude, I'm telling you right now, China is in America. The Chinese military is here because the open, the southern border is open and they are just flooding our country with all their people. And we're not doing a damn thing about it, y'all. And not just that, but we have all these migrants coming here. And the burden is being put on the American taxpayer, taxpaying citizen to take care of these people. You have the mayor in New York City, who is an extreme libtard, who is an absolute idiot, that was a couple months ago saying, no, all these people are welcome here. They're all welcomed here. They're all welcome. You know, we're, you know, we're a, a sanctuary city and we're going to take care of them. Now he decides, well, we're at capacity. We don't have any more room to be, you know. You don't have any more room to be as nice to people, and it's starting to be a burden on our citizens. Well, you should have thought about that before you said, hey, they're all welcome here and deemed yourself a sanctuary city. Because now you're putting the people that pay taxes in your city on the hook for people that are coming here illegally and forcing their tax dollars to take care of these people that aren't providing anything for this country in return. In what world? I mean, you got this going on in Chicago right now, too, where black citizens are up in arms against the idiot mayor that is letting these people just flow into the city and putting them up in, a, in old schools and abandoned and abandoned buildings and housing them there, sucking their tax money out of them to take care of people who aren't even American citizens. And don't get me wrong, but I'm all about taking care of my fellow man and making sure that they're OK. But if you're gonna, if you want to come to this country, be taken care of, you got to come through the port legally. 
You come across the border outside, outside, but uh, between the ports and enter illegally, you need to be hunted down, rounded up, and sent back home. I said it before, and I'm saying it again. People, I don't care if people think it's racist. You are not welcome here. Not that way. You want to come to my country, my city, my town? You come through the port. You come the right way. And I would change my tone of voice. But you sneaking into my country is like sneaking into my house. I catch you sneaking into my house when I'm sleeping. Guess what's happening? You getting shot, homie. Plain and simple. I don't know you. You didn't knock on the front door. And if you're not knocking on my front door to announce who you are, you are my enemy. I don't know who you are. If you're sneaking in through my window into my house, I have no other option in my mind to believe that you're a hostile actor. That's all there is to it. Because decent people don't sneak in through people's windows. They knock on the front door. And even then, sometimes knocking on the front door, you get ambushed, man. So what are we to do as American citizens? What are we to do? These our elected officials are not listening to us and not doing anything to take care of us and to protect us from this stuff, man. And they are just constantly leaving the border open and letting these people flow into the country illegally. And I don't want to hear, well, they can't stop. But yes, they can. They absolutely can. But they won't. Every, I'm sure everybody's heard of the term great replacement theory. I've looked it up. I've studied it. And people, if you look it up, people say, you know, it's a right wing neo-Nazi belief that, you know, that it was brought up by white people. They were saying that the American government is intentionally letting people into the country to replace white people. If you think that's not a theory anymore and it ain't racist. If you look at what's currently going on in this country with the open border the great replacement theory is absolutely real. That ain't just no talking point for some right wing thing. There's a reason why the American government is not shutting down the border. And they're literally trying to deconstruct this country, take away this country from the people that found it and the people that have been here. I'm not just talking about white people, but I'm talking about all of us as Americans, all of us, regardless of our ancestral, you know, DNA or where we come from. We're Americans at the end of the day. Those of us that have been here, our fathers that died here, my forefathers that were slaves here, they earned the right to be here. They helped build this country. And guess what? My grandfather picked cotton. My dad served in the military. My uncle served in the military. I served in the military. This is my country. I earned my keep here. The Pitts family has earned their keep here. And we're, we're just letting it be taken away from us for what? Because we all know what's going to happen. The Democrats are going to try to get all these people into this country, as many as possible, try to give them amnesty, get, get them registered to vote and vote illegally. In this next election, that is not a conspiracy theory. If it, it would be a conspiracy theory if the borders were closed, but like I said, our borders are fully wide open, and people are flooding into this country that we don't know who they are. And I'm telling you all this as a former border patrol agent: we don't know who these people are. My friends that work the border still, I talk to every day, are miserable and they hate their jobs because they said we're not doing our job. We're not allowed to do our job. And they're just processing these people coming across the border. They gather them up, take their info, and then they just kick them into the streets. I get used to get text messages all the time. Hey, we just sent six to Louisville. Hey, we just sent six to Illinois. Sent a family to Nashville. <laughs> just random, random ass people from across the globe. We don't know who they are or anything about them. Just random people. Bro, how is this okay at any point, man? How is this okay? It's not okay. And man, and I, I harp on the government a lot because the government is supposed to be taking care of us. The government is supposed to be protecting us, but it's not. And that's why I say we have to have a good, healthy balance of shame and honor. But we are currently out of balance in this country. 
the uh, the government is operating, thinks they're doing something honorable, but they're completely operating in full shame. And we all see it and it's all on Front Street, man. And it sickens me every day for the for our country to see what's happening. And I feel so powerless. I'm sure just like many of y'all, like, what can we do? Besides voting? I mean, there, there's gotta be there's gotta be a revolution coming. There's gotta be something coming, yo, because this is this is ridiculous, man. Ridiculous, man. And it just breaks my heart every day. But despite the fact that there's not much I can do personally about this, that's why I continue to serve in the police uniform. Because for me, being a police officer is how I serve and how I give back. Being a police officer is, it keeps me honorable. Not because I do the job, but the, the shame of doing something wrong in uniform chases me down and haunts me and scares me. But like that, I tell people that is my biggest fear in life. My biggest fear in life is doing something while on duty intentionally, which is not me, but doing something and being shamed for it for the rest of my life. And my kids having to live with it's their daddy. That daddy's that one crooked cop that did that thing. That's that pits officer's kids, man. I don't want my kids to ever have to live with that shame of Dexter Pitts was their daddy. And he did this thing as a cop. I, that is the major driving force behind why I am, how I am and what I do, what I do. Because I don't want my kids to have to live in shame. So when I'm in uniform, I operate in a certain way. And when I'm out of uniform, I operate a certain way. And I think we can all agree that being a police officer is honorable. Can we all agree on that? Shake your head. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can all agree. It's an honorable job because you're not making the most money, but you deal with the most crazy situations. It's dangerous. The pay is not the best. And, and man, people take you for granted. It's it's a hard job. It's a hard job that I love, but it's an honorable job. But I think we have to realize that just because you do an honorable job does not mean that you're an honorable person. And I think we can all agree that sometimes not all cops are honorable and some cops should be shamed for what they do in uniform. Can we agree? Yes, absolutely. Because I have said it on the On Pits podcast many times. We have to be held to a higher standard and operate at a higher standard than the citizens we protect and serve. We have to because we have so much power bestowed upon us. We have the power to take somebody's life and the power to take somebody's freedom away from them and lock them up and throw them away. And that is something I do not take lightly. I mean, so we have to screen people that are becoming officers and making sure that they're going to be a good candidate for the job, not just for the doing the job and for the citizens, but for just the profession. Because everybody we hire that does something bad, it reflects on all of us, unfortunately. We know that it's not all of us. We know that. But the perception is every time we do something, my cop do something wrong, man, look at all them dirty cops. Even though one cop did something wrong. It's always all of us. Ooh, I have to get a sip, man, running dry. But yeah, so, so for me, I cherish this uniform and I cherish this profession. And when somebody does something in this uniform that harms the profession, I take it personal and it, and it, and it hurts a lot because I've worked so hard to do the right thing when I'm in uniform. Even when I'm not in uniform, I try to do the right thing. That's because that's just who I am. I'm a, I'm, I tell everybody I'm kind of a by the book guy, you know, but there's also give and take and understand the concept of grace and mercy that cops are not perfect. Bro. We we make mistakes. Lord knows I've made mistakes, but but we have to be held accountable. And sometimes we have to be shamed for what we do. That's why I'm bringing up this story right here, because I'm ashamed of them a little bit. 
But at the same time, I'm only shaming him because he's army, he's infantry, just like me. And I know how my fellow brothers are in the infantry. We clown, we joke each other, even when it's inappropriate, because that's just kind of the machismo and what we do in the culture. So a couple of weeks ago, my homeboy, I'm not going to say his name because he's a new LMPD officer, but he just graduated the police academy. And I had talked to him for months about the job and I kind of walked with him through the process to try to help him as much as possible. He's a great guy, great family. I'm not going to say it, so I'm going to say it's a, we're going to call him Oshak Hennessy. My dude, that's what I call Oshak Hennessy. A giant of a man with like a size 16 shoes, a freaking genetic freak. And he's super good looking. So jealous, man. And he's in great shape. I try to be. Them days are going long past me, bro. <laughs> but no, super good dude. And I was so happy when I went to his graduation because I seen him go from being a civilian to being a recruit in the academy to now he's a cop. And I just remember seeing him walk across the stage and I was so proud. But well, at the, while I'm at his graduation, one of his classmates, they stand up, they announce him and they say, hey, he's a, you know, serving in the U.S. Army Infantry for 10 years. And I'm sitting in the uh, graduation hall when they said that I could just hear his family cheering for him. And dude, I was so proud because I came from the infantry into policing. So and whenever I see another infantry grunt, my immediate reaction is give him a big old hoo because man, I was so happy for this guy that he's made this transition to becoming a police officer after leaving the infantry. So after the graduation ceremony is over, I go find this guy. I couldn't find. Him. I was looking for him. I just wanted to shake his hand like, hey, 11 Bravo 2, man. 10th Mountain Division, you know, served three years, 2003, 2006, wounded in action. Hey, shook his hand like, hey, man, welcome to the profession. Hey, you're going to do good things, better make good choices, you're going to be just fine. Clearly, I don't think this dude <laughs> listened to what I said when I said, make good decisions and you're going to be fine. So we have here a former Metro Police Officer, Luis, Luis Rodriguez. And everybody told me that he's a great guy. And I believe he is a good guy. But however, hours after this guy gets his badge and is sworn in, he is immediately fired because during the graduation party, got drunk and decided to drive. And while he was driving, he hit a few, he hit multiple cars, crashed his car. Cop showed up and apparently from what I heard, he got out and he was instant cooperative and knew what was up. Turn around and he told them, let's go. Next thing you know, I wake up the next day. I cut on the news and I'm like, are you kidding me, man? Come on, bro, man. And I was pulling for him because he's a grunt. This is the most army thing I've ever seen, man. You can take the grunt out the army, but you can't take the grunt. <laughs> the grunt no. You can take the grunt out the army, but you can't take the army out the grunt, bro. Like, <laughs> my God, man. <laughs> This is, I was so mad and I was so upset. And a lot of people are laughing and I'm joking on him. I take my, I've had my shots and I've thrown my jokes at him. But honestly, I think everybody thinks he's a good guy. But this is where the concept of honor and shame come into balance. We can't honor him for what he did. He served honorably in the military. But like I said, once you become a cop, you know, the concept of honor, man, it's a, it's a, you know, you, you got to work at it every day. You can't just be honorable one time. You know, just serving in the military automatically for a little bit, man. It doesn't, you can't just serve in the military and then think you're just going to go do whatever. And like I said, you get to have the honor bestowed upon you for serving your country. 
But what are you doing afterwards, man? You have to make a conscious decision after that to continue to serve and be a good and decent person. And this guy, I don't know what happened, what went wrong. I talked to my buddy. He said he's got a lot going on in his personal life. And I'm like, man, I hate that for him. But this is what we cannot have in the profession because cops make mistakes. I've seen cops get DUIs before. This is nothing new. It is. I've seen sergeants get DUIs. I've seen, man, I mean, I've seen in 13 years, I've seen, I've seen it all with cops doing the wrong thing. So the thing here is I've seen some people online that were saying like, he's a young guy. He made a mistake. I'm like, one, he's not a young guy. He's like, I think he's like 30 something, man. And so in my mind, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, that's not a young guy, a young guy right there. He's old enough to know better. And it was like, he should be given a second chance. And I said, no, he should not be given a second chance. And I am the saint of second chances. I am the guy that believes if an officer makes a mistake, it happens. We're not, we're not perfect. We're imperfect beings. We make mistakes. But what separates this from a mistake on which I'm willing to forgive is the fact that you made the conscious decision to put the people you chose to sign up to protect and serve, put their lives at risk by driving drunk. And that is not what we as police officers do. I can't tolerate that. We can't have that in profession. And like I said, he was fired instantly because he was still on probation. But my thing is, if you're already making bad choices at this early in your career, but where are you going to go in your career? What are you going to do? If you can't make the decision to not drive drunk, it's only going to get worse. And I'm not saying that I wish this guy the worst, that he should be thrown in a wood chipper. I'm not saying that this guy should spend the rest of his life in jail. I'm just saying that, you can't wear my uniform right now. You don't deserve to wear my uniform and my badge. You don't. That's not a shot against you saying that I hate you or that I think you're a bad person, but I have to shame you a little bit. I can't I can't bestow honor upon you because what you did was unhonorable. I can honor you for what you did in the past, but your current present is not honorable. But I hope that Officer Luis Rodriguez is able to learn from this mistake, reclaim his honor, and find another way to serve because and first and foremost he has to get himself taken care of and figure out what's going on in his mind mentally and psychologically to where he made the decision to hours after getting sworn in that he's just gonna go drive drunk like i said we we can't afford that in this profession especially in this day and age where everything is on social media front and center man we just can't afford officers willingly and knowingly violating the law and putting the citizens at risk. So there's a time when an officer needs to be fired. And there's a time when an officer needs to be given grace and mercy. And there is a time where we as people have to look at a situation and say, hey, this is not okay in society. We as a society have decided that drinking and driving is not okay. Now, our court systems, on the other hand, our court systems don't seem to think anything about it because I've made three DUI arrests in the last couple months. And guess what? I've not been to court called the court on any of them not once but not once so the court says it's not big on it but we have to look at this from moral in the issue of in a value system of is this okay no it's not okay so i hate it for the young officer but i like i hope that he finds his way and learns from this mistake and reclaims the honor that he not gonna say deserves but reclaims the honor that he lost because i mean man for me it was just heartbreaking seeing this because i could i remember Looking at his family and hearing his family, they were so proud of him, so proud of him. God, and then for him to have let them down, and not just that, let the citizens down, let his classmates down, 
like the shame of that like i'm ashamed for him and embarrassed for him and he has to carry that with him the rest of his life this article is going to be on the internet forever so he's got to explain that to his kids and the next generation but like i said there's always a second chance to turn it around hopefully he can turn it around and make something good of himself I said, I'm not just going to throw this guy on the bus and say, hey, he's a piece of crap, man. I don't care what happens to him. I do care what happens to him because he's a fellow veteran and he was a, for he's a former officer for all of like six, seven hours. So I'm not going to wish bad juju on the dude. I really do hope that he gets it together. But we got to move on to the next cop thing we're working on today that has been causing a lot of controversy. And y'all know I got <laughs> Dexter Pitts got a way in on it. Got a way in because it made a firestorm around the country bro i was like oh my god everybody was like this chick needs to be fired thrown in jail people like that shouldn't be a cop and i was like man what did this girl do so i went and decided to watch the video and i had to see for myself so i'm gonna preface this with how this started so apparently oh come on man jesus there we go so if you look at the screen but this is kind of a this is a ring doorbell footage but this family, this father, and he has a daughter that's 11 years old. Daughter calls the police and says, hey, my daughter is being groomed by a 35-year-old man on the Internet. And I believe that his daughter possibly sent this 35-year-old man naked pictures of herself. So father discovers this, gets pissed off, calls the police to file a report. Well, the first issue that people were complaining about was the fact that it took six hours for cops to respond. This is in Columbus, Ohio. Like I said, because... The, what people don't realize is priority calls. I think I explained this on the last solo, but when you make a call, if there's an instant immediate threat to life, cops are sent to that immediately. But with this being that an instant threat and the Columbus PD running short, like every other police department in the country, the, the, the Columbus police officers, you know, the call fell to fell low priority. And I believe it took them six hours to get to this location. So the issue is when they got to the location six hours later, they knocked on the door. The female cop starts to talk to the father. He explains to her the situation. And the female cop makes this comment. So let me play it for y'all. Make sure the volume's turned up. So. Reality is how much she's got to do about it, isn't it? I mean, she could probably get charged with child porn. Who she can? Mm -hmm. She's 11 years old. She's creating it. Right? She's 11 years old. Doesn't matter. She's still making porn. No, she's not. She's being manipulated by a grown ass adult on the Is she taking pictures though? You guys have a nice seat. Okay. Thank you for coming. Are you serious? Have a nice seat. All right, yo. So that is the situation with this female officer in Columbus, Ohio. So, and the outrage that sparked that this sparked and everybody up in arms. People are coming out of the woodwork. People that typically support cops are like this is you know these cops are garbage and they all deserve to be both of them deserve to be fired. 
And I understand that people get emotionally hijacked by these situations. I've been emotionally hijacked before by situations. And when facts come out, I was like, oh, I was wrong. So people are calling for this officer to be terminated. There's one guy on social media I used to follow, but I just stopped following him because this last rant was just a little too much. But where he's like, oh, the law enforcement officer for, you know, 10 years, I wore the badge and this is unacceptable. And I agree. This is unacceptable behavior on the part of the officer. And he was ranting on about, you know, how cops protect good cops, protect bad cops. And the partner should have stepped up and said something, which partner probably should have stepped in and said something. But he goes on ranting about this officer needs to be fired at a minimum fired. And I was like, that's a bridge too far, homie. Why do I say that that's a bridge too far that these cops should not be fired? Because if you look at the situation of the call, I don't agree. I'm not. And like I say, his biggest thing was cops were defending this female officer. I am not defending the female officer's actions. I think what she did was professional. It was horrible. I mean, it was it was awful. Like, that's not how you approach a situation with an 11 year old. That not ever. It lacked common sense and decency. And I mean, it, it just ah, just ah, horrible. What she did was awful. But, but it was, is it worthy of being fired? Because I look at it this, I look at it like this. Did this officer allow for this person to continue to hurt this little girl? No. This officer didn't physically hurt anybody. This officer didn't, no, this officer wasn't really capable of stopping this incident from happening because this incident had already occurred. The officer was there to simply take a report and file a report. And that report typically gets passed on to a detective. And then the, the, the detective does the investigating. That's literally how it goes. But everybody's like, this officer needs to be fired because the officer was insensitive and unprofessional. But like I said, officers are not perfect. I mean, sometimes officers have bad days, long shifts, it happens. And everybody's like, well, we don't know what happened before this shift, before this call. I know we don't know what happened to this officer before this call. But I'm not going to use that as an excuse to talk about what this officer did because like I said, I've been doing this long enough to where I don't really get emotionally hijacked by people. But like I just don't. And and I know kind of I know how to carry myself on calls. And I tell people the biggest part of being an officer sometimes is putting on an, a show, acting like you care, even though you might not have the capacity to care at that moment. Because emotionally and mentally you're fried. But when a taxpaying citizen calls us, we have to answer their call and provide them with the best service possible. So I don't think this is a matter of the officer needing to be fired. This is the example of the officer needing to be reprimanded, talked to, and given some retraining. We don't have to jump to the extreme every time an officer does something unprofessional or not great. Was what the officer did illegal? If, the, if there were criminal charges to be leveled levied against the officer, if she had did something criminally, could she be fired? Yeah, absolutely. But the officer did not commit a criminal act. As I heard a buddy say one time before, it's not illegal to be a cunt, Pitts. It's unprofessional and frowned upon, but not illegal. And that's exactly part of my language, but that's exactly what this was. Yo, this officer just, she was a horrible person in this, at this small snippet of time. And I've had my moments where I've not been a great person to people in uniform because I was having a bad day. That was, But that was in my younger rookie days. But now, not so much, and especially where I work at now, my stress levels are lower, but I'm able to shovel a lot more crap, my crap meter. It takes my crap meter a lot longer time 
to get full as opposed to how it used to be. But they, I don't, this officer, they should not be fired. Definitely retrained, reprimanded, right up. I mean, something. It, it can't go undressed, but this officer does not need to be fired. And I understand people saying that if you're this is your initial thought for an 11-year-old, like you should be an officer. I understand why they're saying that, but I don't agree with that. Because like I said, it's a, I feel like it's, could it be a character issue? It could be a character issue. But like I said, I don't have any other incidents to compare this officer, her character to anything else. All I have this one video. Because from what I was told, I got a buddy that worked up in that area. If y'all not following Columbus Police Body Cam, make sure you do. But apparently that after this incident, that officer called the detective, informed the detective of the situation and the incident. And apparently the detective went and started the investigation. So the officer still did her duty. She just didn't do it in the right way in the moment. She failed in the moment. You know, she the test was there and she completely bombed it and failed it. And she let this family down. But she made it up when she called the detective to have the detective come so that the detective could you know, look into the situation. So, yeah, but firing, no, that's 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 extreme for me. She should not be fired. Unless and there's other incidents like this, and she has a long track record and history of being a jerk. But like I said, even being a jerk as a police officer is not illegal. It's not illegal to be a jerk. I know plenty of jerk-ass officers. I've been a jerk officer before. but not, I've, I've had my days, man. I've, I've had my days. We are people. We are emotional beings as well, but and we have bad days. And guess what? Our bad days just so happen to get caught on camera. It sucks, and, and, but it happens, man. If you put a camera on yourself and you went to work, I guarantee you, we'd catch you doing or saying some things not so savory, probably saying some things about your uh, your uh, bosses and your leaders that are not so savory and great. The only difference is that we are, we are on body camera more than anybody or we get caught on camera saying stuff. But no, she should definitely not be fired. That's that's overkill. That's being emotionally hijacked, looking at the situation from the outside in and saying that at a minimum they need to be fired. No. Not even close, man. If that was the case, there'd be no officers on the streets right now because there's nobody that can maintain a cool, calm, even kill level 24-7 while doing this job. But like I said, that's why when you do this job for so long, you realize and know the signs of, I maybe need to take some time off and kind of recalibrate and get myself together, yo. But So, no, man, this, uh, yeah, it's a definitely horrible. I'm not going to defend this female officer, what she did or what she said, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to provide a little context and a little bit more reasonableness and understanding to the fact that not everybody needs to be fired, man. Everybody's like, fire that cop, fire that cop. They're a waste. That cop's a piece of trash. Uh, maybe, but I mean, I don't, I don't know her, so I can't say she's a piece of trash. But in the moment, she did seem like a pretty big piece of trash. But that's like I said, that's just for the moment. I don't know her outside. I don't know her outside of the uniform or I mean, her partner, I mean, the biggest thing now for a lot of officers is failure to report. That's the biggest thing that's coming out of the DOJ investigations in Louisville is when you're an officer on a scene. If you see an officer doing or saying something wrong, you're supposed to step in and intervene because if you don't, you could be charged as well. But I honestly think that the that the uh, officer, her backup should have probably stepped in and said something and like, hey, hold up, man. Hey, chill out, girl. Go sit in the car, man. I got this. Now, let me tell you where I work at. I work with a bunch of older guys that have almost double the amount of time 
in the uniform that I do. And I, one of my biggest concerns working there was, man, I don't think these guys are going to listen to me if I tell them to chill out or back up. But guess what? I'm at a point in my career where I'm not afraid to step up. If I see something being done that I don't agree with that another officer's doing, I will step in gently and say, hey, hey, brother, I think maybe we need to take it down a couple notches. Why don't you go chill out and let me handle this, man? I've seen my partners get emotionally hijacked and I've had to step in because I saw it going to a place it didn't need to go. And that's where it comes down to character. And that's where it comes down to commitment to what we do in this uniform and commitment to the people we're serving. Because some people, like I don't know if y'all know this, but some people are not nice people to deal with. Some people are a-holes, bro. Some people are horrible people that call 911. And we still have to provide them a service. Despite their dislike for us, despite my dislike for them, I have to put aside my personal feelings and preferences and get out of my feelings and do my damn job. Just like every other cop. We got to do our job, man, at the end of the day. If that, if all your job is doing is taking the report, take the damn report. That's all you got to do, bro. Take the report. It's that simple, man. And, and not be a jerk. And that's for some of us, that's harder for some of us to do. Me, it's not so hard to not be a jerk because that's just kind of who I am. But for some officers, it's extremely hard to put them jerk-like tendencies away, man. But, but that, that's where you as an officer have to be confident in who you are and what you believe and what you do, man. Like, you can't be afraid to step up if you see a cop doing something wrong and say, hey, man, hey, that's not right. Let's not do that. But a lot of these officers are afraid to confront other officers. Me, personally, I am not because, like I said, if you're doing something to put my livelihood at stake and my reputation, bro, and I'm going to get in trouble for it, I'm I'm telling. I'm speaking out because you, you're not going to, I'm not going to let you and your bad attitude and reputation ruin my good attitude and good reputation. I've worked 13 years to build, man. I'm not doing it. If you punch a, if you punch a cuffed hand, excuse me, my God, whew, getting deep in this. If you punch a handcuffed suspect in front of me, I'm telling you, not to be a snitch, but because what you did is wrong. And guess what? If that person complains, there's a camera somewhere that catches that, and they see me looking at you doing it, and that gets found out, guess who gets in trouble for not doing anything? Me. And I'm not willing to risk my career because you don't know how to control yourself and you got emotionally hijacked, bro. I am not not doing it, man. Not doing it, yo. So, you know, there's a million ways to skin a cat when you're on these calls. And also, I wanted to throw out to people, was the officer necessarily wrong in what she said? I don't, legally, legally. So when I was in Arizona with the Sarita Police Department, I had the high school on my beat and I got called to the high school in a similar situation where we had a young girl. I mean, I guess she was about 13, 14 years old in high school. She had taken pictures of herself and she had sent them to another young man in her class that was about close to the same age. Well, that young man takes the pictures and he sends them out to other kids in the school and every the other kids that got those pictures and sent them out. Next thing you know, we had a web of child pornography that everybody was being caught up and wrapped in. And guess who was also going to get charged for distributing the pornography? The young girl that took the picture and sent it because she is a juvenile. She's an underage. She's a minor. And she sent pictures of herself to another person. So I didn't think that was a good look because in my mind, this young girl is the victim. But I understand the concept of she was cultivating 
child pornography because she herself was taking the pictures of herself who was a minor. But, so I believe that because I left shortly after that, so I don't really know how that turned out. But I believe that the detective did end up charging the young girl and everybody involved. But as a police officer, I say we have to have common sense, common sense. Common sense says if a father calls you to a house and says, hey, my 11 year old daughter is being taken advantage of online by a 35 year old man. Common sense would say, hey, I'm sorry that your daughter got caught up with this. I'm going to take this report and we're going to find this creeper because you don't turn an 11 year old child into a victim when there's a 35 year old man creeper online. You don't do it. And even if that's in the back of your mind, like, well, she could personally be charged. You don't have to say it. This young girl is a victim. You can't turn this young girl into a suspect. That's why would you do that? Even if legally that might be the case, there's a grown man seducing this child and your focus is on the child. Now, maybe the guy was being a little bit of a jerk to dad. I don't know. I don't, I didn't really think it came off as that, but he's calling because he's concerned about his daughter. Man. And you tell this man that you're possibly going to lock up his daughter for child pornography when there's a 35 year old creeper on the other side of that computer. Like that's to me, that's like it's a lack of common sense and I, decency. I I don't know. I would personally never, ever pick a person that's a victim in an incident. Quite case in point, we had a domestic I worked a couple weeks ago. We get there. Everybody's kind of beat up the two, the three ladies. It was one young lady and her girlfriend and her girlfriend's sister. Well, the two put the beat down on the girlfriend. Well, we get there, we do our job, we run names and socials. Turns out that the victim of that incident that got beat up had a warrant. But you know what I did? I let her go because she was the victim that night. And I was like, man, how's it going to look if I lock up the victim from this domestic that clearly got beat up and jumped by her girlfriend and her sister? But you know what I did that night? I let it go for the night. I let it go. There was no need for me to lock this girl up when I already had two freaking suspects that had assaulted this woman, locked them both up, or locked one of them up, took him to jail, gave the other one a citation. So next, what do you think I do the next day? I go back to the house after the victim has been to the hospital and been released. I go knock on the door. Hey, can I speak to such and such? She comes to the door. I'm like, hey, just so you know, you have warrants and you're going to be a place under arrest. I'm going to take you downtown. Now, because I gave it time, because common sense says, give it some time. There's no point in locking all of these people up at the same time. Like that, this woman is clearly a victim. Clearly a victim. There's no point in me locking her up that day, especially when I know where she lives at. She's not a threat. She's not a danger to society. But you got, hey, you got a warrant. You got you to gotta get served. So 24 plus hours later, I come back and I serve the warrant. It would have been extremely tasteful and bad and just bad, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? I used earlier, Jesus, going on almost an uh, hour and 35 minutes, man. My brain's fading. Man. But uh, Jesus, what is, oh my God. My brain just fried in the middle of a video podcast, man, where a discrepancy or a discrepancy, ah, Jesus, y'all know what I'm talking about, but yeah. So it, it's just bad to just uh, sit there and say, hey, you know, we'll lock this chick up right now, even though she's a, clearly a victim. You just don't do that, man. Like I said, there's time and place for everything. And the time and place to lock that chick up was for me was not that moment, that instant. When she's sitting there in the EMS wagon, 
hold a knife to her head and got scratches on her. It's not the time and place to do it, man. Not the time and place. So, like I said, maybe it's common sense, maybe, but not everybody that wears this uniform has common sense. And Lord knows I've come across a lot of officers that don't have common sense, yo. But since we're on this, we're almost done with the show. We're going to get ready to roll into the last story. Since we're talking about honor and shame, like I said, I've done my part to shed a little bit of shame on officers that have not been up to par and probably not done the best job while in uniform and deserve a little bit of shame. Just like the officer that got fired for the DUI and just like the young lady who tried to turn an 11-year-old victim into a suspect. <laughs> but, but there's plenty of officers across this country that operate in honor every day. Every day. We have a couple officers here in Louisville who were involved in a shooting a couple weeks ago. So let me go ahead and pull this up. We have and the brand new officers, man. And I, I give people a lot of young officers a lot of a lot of crap because man, they're just young officers, dude. And they don't, you know, they're young officers, man. They're the TikTok generation cops. But uh, we had the other a couple weeks ago right here. LMPD officer shot in the line of duty, released from hospital. This was today. So this handsome looking devil right here, Brandon Haley, this guy, man. He was shot a couple weeks ago. I believe he was shot three times with the 556 five, round, I, I believe. If I'm not correct on that, somebody please email me, message me, let me know. But he was shot three times, man. And he just got released to the hospital. I think it was either today or yesterday he got released. But he went home and apparently got shot. He got half, lost half his liver and he was laid cut open for a little while. And he was touch and go for a while, but he's going to survive. And now he's finally home, man. But So I'm not going to. I'm going to let the LMPD video that I'm about to show you all explain the entire situation so that you all can get all the facts. And for me, I'm posting this so we can honor these officers involved, man. So we can officer honor Haley, officer, excuse me, honor officer Haley and officer Bellato. So, man, these guys did a phenomenal job and for freaking ambush, man. But they fought on and handled this, man. And I am so proud to have worn this uniform. So proud of these young officers. And I and I tell people, I don't know what's going on with the city, but this is the in the shortest amount of time, this is the most young officers I've ever seen shot and hurt in this amount of time. And like the city is crumbling in Louisville. There's just crime is rampant and out of control, dude. It's and officers are getting hurt so much. And there's so many more officers involved shootings than I ever remember having at any other time. And before this one, we had an officer that shot and killed somebody. Over on Frankfurt Avenue, a couple like a couple days before this, I believe. So, man, it just shows how our system in America right now is not operating at optimal capacity, and we're just we're just not in a good place right now. When you have young officers like this constantly getting hurt and constantly getting shot, man, it, it it's it's breaking my heart, and I hate seeing it because I mean, there's so many young officers that we have here that want to do the job that feel they can't do the job. There's so many dudes that are leaving this department, good officers that are going to Florida. And know what I tell them? Good luck. I don't blame you. And we're losing so many good officers because officers' hands are tied because of politics and all this other crap that don't really matter, yo. But for some odd reason, man, I don't I don't know what's going on with Metro Police Department. I really don't, man. It's it's sad to see, but I'm thankful that we have officers like these guys that do the job here still. Because we need good officers to do the job to counterbalance the ones that are shameful in what they do. And I mean, this, if you ask me, 
there's a lot more officers like this out there than there are those of the officer that got the DUI and the officer that didn't that didn't use her head when she was confronted with this incident in Columbus, Ohio. So, but nonetheless, I'm gonna stop talking and let y'all get to this video. September 7th, 2023, at approximately 2:27 a.m., LMPD Second Division Officer Brandon Haley was attempting to catch up with a vehicle that had no lights on. The vehicle was traveling westbound on Kentucky Street and turned south on 40th Street, where the vehicle came to rest on the sidewalk. You will see in the beginning of the video, captured on Officer Haley's dash cam, that the taillights activate as the car attempts to turn left on the 40th Street. Officer Haley exited his vehicle and advised <clears throat> two subjects were running. As Officer Haley ran towards the vehicle, several subjects began shooting from a house on the west side of 40th Street. Officer Haley was immediately struck and fell to the ground and returned fire. While being shot at, Officer Haley ran to the opposite side of the street where he was met by Officer Bellato. As Officer Bellato began assessing Officer Haley's injuries, the subject or subjects began shooting at the officers again. Officer Bellato returned fire and dragged Officer Haley to a safer position. Officer Bellato immediately began to relay information to responding officers while rendering aid to Officer Haley. Officer Haley was placed in a police car and transported to University Hospital with life-threatening injuries. Numerous officers responded. All right. I guess the uh, the video or the sound comes in in a second. Kentucky, I'm going to 
hands hurt. Okay. Step it up. I need more cars. Hey, watch that. This house, I believe the shots came from the house up there. Stay with me. Watch, watch your back, cover that. One of those houses over there, the shots came from the front door. I got it. Stay with me. Hey, we're gonna be on Kentucky right up here in the alleyway. I got an officer with a gunshot wound to the chest. Light mills. Get off it. Two black males. Haley, stay with me, bud. I'm right here in the alleyway on Kentucky, half a block down from 40th. I can see your vehicles. I got chest seals on both sides. Come on. Stay with me, bud. All right. That is, man, I watched that a couple days ago, and that was so hard to watch, dude. But, man, the concept of honor that there ladies and ladies and gentlemen that's honor that's honor right there on full display by the men and women of the Louisville Metro Police Department doing a hard and thankless job ambushed by a couple of scumbags from a house man I'm almost I'm off I'm tearing up a little bit but man that was so hard to watch absolutely hard to watch man but honor that's honor I think our government officials and I think a lot of us just in general in life could learn a lot from these two individuals. Could learn a whole lot from them. Care and compassion for your for your fellow man, for your partners, man. That's what it's all about right there, honestly, man. I mean, drag this partner to safety. 
you know, kept trained up, kept his eyes up looking for further threats. I mean, good training. I mean, people talk a lot about the Louisville Metro Police Department. Even do I give them crap because it's a it's not the best place to be right now politically. But man, these men and women do such a good job and they are trained pretty well. I will say that the training is, you know, it could be better in some places, but I'm not here to critique the training because you can tell clearly tell in this incident. This officer was well trained, man. Bellotto, he was he he did a good job. I'm proud of him. And I'm proud of Haley for staying in there, hanging and fighting. And the worst part of this whole thing is, but there's still been no arrest made. People, oh, excuse me, people have been arrested, but no one's been officially been charged yet. Yeah, but and the other part of this that I want to discuss is what pisses me off is the fact that the person that was charged, or excuse me, arrested, was on home incarceration, and the house where the shooting was being done from. A guy in there was on home incarceration, not supposed to have any guns or weapons available. But because our justice system sucks and there's no justice in the justice system, this man is on home arrest and stuck in in the house with tons of guns and firearms. And he was able to hurt this officer that was just trying to do his job. And that is the other crux of shame. Where's fly come from? My bad, but this is the part where the counterbalance to this honorable act is being countered by the shame of the justice system by not doing its damn job. Like, Like, how hard is it for judges to be held accountable for letting these scumbags out to constantly reoffend and hurt people? If this guy was locked up in jail and put away for not being able to operate in American society like a normal person, why this officer would have never been hurt. But because we have a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eight, nine, tenth, hundred chance system where you could break the law, but you're gonna get right back out. It does this, it does us no good in the society, man, where what's the point of having laws if everything is lawless? What's the point of me going out and locking these people up if the system keeps kicking them back out to the streets? What's the point of any of it, man, if our justice system is not gonna do its job? It's like rolling down the street on a car in a car with two flat tires. You're not going nowhere, man. Not it's, there's nothing good's going to come of it. You're just going to cause more damage to the entire vehicle doing that. And that's what we're having right now. And not just Louisville, but across the country, man. Like our justice system has failed, and our justice system thinks it's doing something honorable, but what they what they're doing that they think is honorable is actually shameful because. We're not allowing our victims to get justice in this country. And I've said that many times on this podcast. Our victims get no justice in this country. But for some odd reason, we turn the suspects into the victims in this country, depending on their skin color. And we just, oh, poor guy. He didn't have a father. And, you know, because, you know, redlining, that he never had a chance to grow up. And, you know, racism and white people. And, you know, he's just a poor black guy. No. No, you don't get to play the victim card when you decide to pick up a rifle. And shoot a man just trying to do his job. An honorable man doing an honorable job. But, oh, man. So, man, uh, continue prayers for Officer Haley and his wife and his family and the officers with the Louisville Metro Police Department. I just, man, what a hard video to watch. But, man, what an honorable, honorable, honorable man and person that officer is. All those officers are involved in that. It's getting a little heavy, man. 
getting a little heavy, so I'm gonna get ready to end it. Ran a little longer than expected. We're at an hour and 51 minutes, so you'll have a little bit of content for your week, man. But hey, thank you all for tuning in again, as always. Hey, I really appreciate y'all tuning in. I know the consistency has not been up to par like it was in the past where I was doing the show weekly, but like I said, I've had to slow things down for myself with all I got going on. But regardless, it's always a joy and an honor and a pleasure to sit here before you and give my small take on things, man. So like I said, if you hear anything on the show that you don't like, or if you want to rebuttal something or have something to say to me, feel free to reach out to me and drop me an email at iampits at yahoo.com. Send me a message on Instagram at iampits1, the number one on Instagram. I love to chat with you. If you got something to say that you disagree with, please feel free to let me know. Like I said, I had somebody reach out to me and I actually, I appreciate it. I appreciate people that don't agree with my sentiment because we can't all agree in this country because if we did, we'd be one giant cult. But at the same time, we might not agree, but I think common sense should always prevail. And I always try to argue from the perspective of being reasonable and common sense. So as always, man, this is uh man kind of still kind of tripped up, yo, but Man, if you all could also do me a favor, it's been a while since I've got a review and rating for the show on Apple. So you could go to Apple, leave me a review, leave me a rating. All right. It really helps. It's been a thing since March, man. So it's been running dry, man. If you got some, and trust me, I know I don't, I'm the guy that I listen to so many podcasts and I hardly ever go and leave a review or a rating. Just, hey, it's a great show or this guy's a freaking idiot, but I'll give him five stars anyway. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, do that for me. Also, you know, go follow me on Podbean over there and also on Spotify and anywhere else you can find the I Am Pitts podcast. Also, be sure to cop a co- get a copy of my book, I Am Pitts Memoirs of American Patriot. Go to IamPitts.com, order a copy, or if you want, reach out to me. I've had a couple requests over the last couple of weeks of people wanting a signed book from me. So, like I said, drop me a, an email at IamPitts at Yahoo.com, and I'll tell you how to order a book from me directly signed by me. So, man, that's pretty much it for this one, y'all. Pretty much it, man. I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up. A little rusty on this one. <laughs> Didn't go off as well as planned. Like I said, I've been away from the solo game for almost a whole month. So, But I'm back. So hopefully I'll be back next week with a good show. We'll see what happens in the world in America between now and then. Lord knows, only knows what it's going to be, y'all. But, hey, I appreciate you all, and I love you all. This has been the I Am Pits Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And I will see you all on the next one.